As you're giving, if you turn to the book of Esther, Esther chapter number five. So if you find the book of Psalms, which isn't too hard to find, you go left two books, you'll find yourself in the book of Esther. So go to Esther chapter number five. Let me just say we've had 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you enjoyed our 21 days of prayer and fasting? It was phenomenal. I believe by far it was the best 21 days we have ever had. It was tremendous. And of course, on Thursday when we're fasting, I get a call on the church line from a company, and this is what they say. Hi, we're from the Open Porch Cafe. We'd like to donate some donuts to your church. We'll deliver them to you on Sunday morning, as many as you want. So... Um, just let us know and we'll have them here. I hung up and I thought, the Lord has heard my cry. <laughs> so immediately following service today, we're going to have a donut for you over to the, in the cafe area from the Open Porch Cafe. And I've already had one. Oh, man. How not to end a fast.com. I mean, that's, that's how you don't do it. So, but we're going to do it anyway. And so, so we're excited about that. So feel free to help yourself on the way out. Let me review for just a moment. Uh, we've been in the book of Esther the entire 21 days, and I've preached several messages on this particular book, and I want to just quickly try to catch us up to where we are today. Of course, the first two chapters of Esther dealing with, deal with her becoming queen, and if it just ended there... It would be a great story, a great account of a, a great woman who lived. But it doesn't just end there. Uh, the first two chapters are wonderful chapters. She becomes queen. But how many of you know that God doesn't just favor you to favor you? He doesn't just bless you to bless you. He doesn't just cause increase to come to your life just to cause increase to come. With every favor of God, there comes an attachment, and that attachment is called purpose. God purposes you. He favors you so that you can walk in divine purpose. And we said this, that life's greatest accomplishment is that you fulfill your God-given purpose. Your God-given purpose. So you have a purpose. You could have been born at any time history past. You could have been born at any time history present. But has you here for a reason. You're in Palm Beach County for a reason. You're out here in the Western communities today for a reason. You walked in these doors for a reason. You sat where you sat for a reason. God has a destiny on the inside of you. And so with every uh, favor and with every blessing, you know, the enemy's going to try to come, right? I mean, you didn't just think that you were going to just be able to live a, a, a Christian life without having to deal with any, any adversity, right? The devil doesn't want you blessed. He doesn't want you favored. He doesn't want you walking in divine purpose, he wants you to be defeated. He wants you to walk in fear. He wants you to walk in, in, in total defeat. And so that's his plan, but God has a different plan for your life. But there is an enemy and he's out to destroy you. So you didn't just think that you were going to walk in the overcoming life of God without anything to overcome, right? 
So we have to learn how to overcome. And so here is Esther with a crown on her head, queen, but yet adversity came into her life. Favored by God, but yet adversity still came into her life. And it was a man by the name of Haman. Haman was a racist who did not like a particular Jew whose name was Mordecai, who happened to be the uncle of Esther. And Haman wanted to wipe out the entire Jewish race, the entire Jewish population, starting with Mordecai. So he, he, was, he was elevated. The king favored uh, Haman as well. Haman rose up through the ranks and became what was known as what you could call the prime minister of the nation. And so he had some authority and he, he said, I'm going to decree a decree that we're going to wipe out the Jews. And when he said that, Esther's uncle Mordecai began to tear his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes, began to mourn, stood, actually sat at the gate outside the king's palace and would just wail. And then he called all the Jews together and here's what they did. They fasted and they prayed. Do you believe that? They fasted and they prayed and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. And Esther joined in, said, listen, let's call for a three-day fast. We won't eat anything or we won't drink anything. And so that's where we are. That's what took place. So even though there's a real devil who's out to destroy you, who's out to take the God-given purpose out of your life, we know that God is able to turn it around. Amen? So how does he do it? Well, we put our confidence in him. We put our trust in him. I asked two questions last week. I said this. What are you going to do with another year of your life? What are you going to do with another year of your life? You've been given another year. It's called 2016. And God wants you to do something with it. And the second thing I said is, how is it going to look any different than last year? How many of you know, you don't want to get five years down the road. You don't want to get 10 years down the road. And life is the exact same. Nothing's changed. Nothing's improved. You're still dealing with the same garbage. You're still dealing with the same issues. It's, it's always the same thing that happens. You know, you try to get ahead, but something still goes wrong. That's not how God intended you to live your life. So we have to believe that God's going to turn it around. So here's how this year is going to look different. Are you ready? Esther chapter 5, starting in verse number 11. Esther had thrown a party, and she was invited, or she invited, I should say, this man Haman, who's out to destroy her family, her generation, she invited him to the party. And it was Haman, Esther, and the king. And Haman left this party, and here's what it says, then Haman got all his friends together and his wife, and verse 11 says, then Haman told them of his great riches the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above all the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, besides, Queen Esther invited me, or I should say invited no one but me, to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am invited again by her, along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing. So as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. And then his wife Zerah said, and all his friends said to him, let a gallows be made 50 cubits high 
And in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on them. Go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. How many of you ever said to yourself, well, it just can't get any worse? It just can't get any worse. Has anybody ever thought it? Has anybody ever said it? Has anybody ever been in that position to where you thought it just cannot get any worse than it is right now? I mean, as bad as it was for the Jewish people, there was a decree that was put out that's going to wipe out their population. I mean, they were in dire straits. Listen, I told you last week, Israel had no king. Israel had no army. Israel had no weapons. They had, they had no tactics. They, they were completely powerless against this decree and against this man named Haman. The only thing they had was one woman who was blessed with favor and in whom purpose was about to spring forth. They, all they had. It turns out that all, that's all they needed. Hallelujah. That's all they needed. I was at the Palm Beach Atlantic University and I was invited to be a part of a workshop there on addiction and rehabilitation. And there was a guest speaker who had written many books and was famous in that particular area. And when he was done lecturing, he took questions from the audience. And one person raised their hand and said, I have a question. Uh, do you believe that people have to hit rock bottom before they turn around? And I listened to the question and I thought, that's a great question. I want to hear the answer. And here said, well, here's the thing. And the man answered and said, well, here's the thing about that. For some people, rock bottom is dead. For some people, rock bottom is dead. Now, here's what you need to know about your situation. Here's what you need to know about the issues that you're facing. Here's what you need to know just when you think it can't get any worse. You're still alive. Amen? You're still here. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just breathe in. You know what that's called? Life. Hallelujah. That's called life. That means the devil tried to take you out and he couldn't take you out. If he could take you out, he would have taken you out. But you're still here. Amen. And I say this all the time and I'll say it again. If you're still breathing, God is not done with you yet. Hallelujah. God still has a purpose for you. God still wants to bless you. God still has favor with you, for you. You need to know that there's still a reason why you are alive on this earth. Hallelujah. So God still has something for you to do. So you say, well, pastor, what is it? What, what do I need to know? What, what is it? Because look, look, gallows are being made. See, that's intimidating. 75 feet high. Did they need to be 75 feet high? How tall does it, do you need to hang someone? 75 feet is almost three times as tall as the ceiling. How tall does it need to be to hang somebody? No, the enemy's just trying to intimidate you. Huh? He's just trying to use scare tactics on you. 
He's just trying to show you. See? See what I've done? See what's going to happen now? See? 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 It can get worse. It can get worse. What you need to do is breathe in and go, no, I'm still alive. I'm still here. God still has a plan for my life. I'm not defeated. I'm not in despair. I know that God can turn this thing around. Listen, you can make all the gallows you want to make. You can hang whatever rope you want to hang from it. My neck isn't going out there. Amen. It's not going to be me that's on those things. You just watch how God turns this thing around. Hallelujah. Amen. You need to know that. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. It says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now it doesn't say it wouldn't be formed. Amen. It just said that it's not going to prosper. It's not going to prosper against you. Listen, they could be building it. It it could look devastating right now for your family. It could look like financially you're going under. It could look like everything's falling apart. It could look like your future is absolutely a mess. It could look really bad. But I have news for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. You need to know that, listen, God can turn this thing around. And here's how he does it. Esther chapter six, verse number one. That night, the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the record, records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. That night. Hallelujah. That night. You say, Pastor, what night? That night. What night? That same night that Mordecai was sitting at the gate. That same night that he had on sackcloth and ashes. That same night that he thought, hey, those gallows have my name written all over it. That night, everything began to change. That night when the Jews were praying and fasting, everything began to change. That night when they said, oh, we don't know what we're going to do. And they cried out to God and they said, God, deliver us. God, spare us. God, do something. That same night, hallelujah, while things were bad, in the midst of the problems, while things went from bad to worse, while gallows are being built, while they're hammering wood together, while, they're, while the things are being erected to where you just think, oh man, it's hopeless now. That same night, the king could not sleep. Oh, come on now. You think, what was that, bad pizza? No, that wasn't bad pizza. That same night, God woke that man up. And he thought to himself, you know, you ought to get somebody to read the word of God to you. Huh? Are you kidding me? This is a Persian king. This is not a Jewish man. This is not a a, a holy man. This is not a moral person. But he said, hey, bring bring the book. Uh, Let's pick one. Huh? What do you think? Let's just, what should I read today, Lord? That one. Has any of you have done that? Some of y'all have done that. You know you have. You know you have. Lord, just speak to me. I need something today. God, I'm going through it, man. Oh, Lord, just pick one. Whew. 
Oh, not that one. Give me another one, God. Give me another one. You know you've done that. Come on, somebody. Somebody's done that in this place. Oh, he just said, let's, let's just start. Let's start backwards instead of forwards. Let's just start with just a week ago, two weeks ago. Let's just start with Chronicles. Let's just start with something that just happened. Go ahead and start reading. Just tell me what's ever in that book. Oh, well, here, King, there was this man named Mordecai. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. That's no coincidence. Listen, that's not just fairy tale land. That night... God ordained, listen, he's moving behind the scenes even when you don't know he's moving behind the scenes. Hallelujah. You need to know it. Every time we have prayer and fasting, things go wrong in people's lives. I get sick. I miss prayer. It happens like every time. Listen, why? Because we, the devil's trying to tell you, stop. Don't, don't press in. Don't fast. Don't pray. Don't show up. Stay home. You need to know, listen, difficult things are going to happen. But it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural because behind the scenes, God is moving. Hallelujah. He is. He's at work even when you can't see it with your natural eyes. While Mordecai is crying, while they're wailing, while they're fasting, while they're praying, there's a king somewhere that they can't see who's figuring out, how can I bless them? And so he calls. Says, we got to do something for Mordecai. We got to do something for this man. Has anything ever been done to repay him? For him saving my life from an assassination attempt. And they said, nothing's been done. He said, well, we, we, we ought to do something. We should, we should do something for him. So he calls in the prime minister who happened to be named Haman. Bring the racist on in. <laughs> Haman. And this is what he says. Listen, you can't make this up. He says to Haman, Haman, what should be done for the man in whom the king finds favor? And Haman thinks he's talking about him. And Haman says, oh, well, let's give him a million dollars and let's put him on a horse and let's put a robe on him and, and we ought to just parade him through the streets of town with somebody going, look, here's him who the king favors. Hallelujah. So the king says, Haman, that's a great idea. Why don't you go get Mordecai? And why don't you put him on that horse that you're talking about? And why don't you put a robe on him? In fact, I want you to grab the horse by the bit, and I want you to be the one that leads him through the streets, and I want you to be the one that shouts out, oh, look, here's him who the king favors. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, I'm telling you, God's turning things around. I'm telling you, he's turning things around for you. 
I'm telling you, it might look dark now. It might look destitute now. I'm telling you, it might look like the whole thing's falling apart, but really, the whole thing's coming together. Hallelujah. Really, God's beginning to turn the whole thing around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God's doing. So here's what he does. Haman goes home, says, oh, man, honey, pray for you. You're not going to believe it. And he tells his wife everything that happened. Here it's over for you. That's actually what she says. She says to him, listen, you're not going to be able, if, if the king has found favor in him, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. He's going up, you're going down. See ya. That's exactly what she said. Misencouragement, right? I mean, she's, he picked a good one when he picked her. He found a winner. And so God began to turn this whole situation around. But listen to how it just keeps going. Esther chapter seven, verse number one. How am I in Ruth? Who hit the Bible? When Esther goes to this banquet and she throws this party the second day, it says in verse number one, so the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And in verse number two, listen to this. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request up to half the kingdom it shall be done. We've been reading this verse for three weeks. This is the fourth week we've read it. Now, wouldn't you like to know what she says? Here's what she says. Then Queen Esther answered and said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Verse 5 says, So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Queen Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. In the New Living Translation, it actually says this, who would dare to touch you? Who would dare touch you? Who is he? And where is he that would dare to even touch a hair on your head? Let me, Adam. I need to know his name. Huh? Who would dare mess with you? You belong to me. Now, who is he and where is he that's trying to kill you. I'm going to ask Mark to come back to the platform for just a moment. And here's what Esther does. Esther grabs her finger 
And she points it right at Haman. She said, the enemy and the adversary is this wicked Haman. Some of you this morning, you need to identify who the enemy really is. You need to identify. There's a king who wants to know. Oh, he knows already, but he wants to hear it from your lips. He wants you to point him out because he wants you to know. He already knows, but he wants you to know. Who is he and where is he that would do such a thing? And you need to point to the enemy. And you need to say he doesn't have a driver's license and he doesn't have a social security card and he's not flesh and blood. Huh? But there's a real devil and there are real demonic spirits and there are real spiritual wickedness in high places. And they're trying to destroy me God just wants to know who they are. Here's what Esther found out. It's this incredible secret that you need to know today. If your enemy is the king's enemy, then your battle is the king's battle. Huh? Listen, here's how it works for us. If your enemy is God's enemy then your battle is God's battle. I'm going to say it one more time. If your enemy is God's enemy, then your battle is God's battle. Hallelujah. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David went up against a giant of a man who was so intimidated He wasn't 75 feet tall, but he was pretty intimidating. In fact, all the trained soldiers who had lived all their life for battle would not face this man. There wasn't wasn't an Israelite who would go on the battlefield, but David did. He went out. He just went out. And here's what he said. He faced that giant of a man. And he said, here's what you need to know, Goliath. You're coming at me with natural things. Spears, swords, all that natural stuff. The wood that God made, the metal that he put on this earth. You're coming at me with all that. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And I got news for you, Goliath. Here's what you need to know. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. It's not mine anyway. You could be 75 feet tall. It don't make any difference because you're just a little guy compared to him. Huh? Because the battle is the Lord's. That's what Esther found out. She just made her enemy the king's enemy. And the king went outside chapter 7 and I don't know if he was trying to collect himself or he was just counting the ways he was going to kill Haman 
Just thinking of all the ways he was going to dismember him. I don't know. I don't know exactly how, what was going through his mind. But the Bible says he came back in and Haman had fallen at Esther's feet, begging and pleading for her life. And when he walked back in, he sees Haman just kind of draped over Esther. And he says, oh, you would even attack her in my presence. And the king had some people around him. And here's what they decided. Hey, you know, king, there happens to be some brand new, never before used gallows outside. They're fresh, fresh wood, fresh rope. You know what we ought to do? We ought to take Haman and we ought to hang him on him. And in verse 10 of chapter 7, it says that's exactly what happened. So they took Haman and they hanged him on the very gallows that was meant for Mordecai. God turned that whole thing around in spectacular fashion. What the devil meant for harm. What the devil meant for harm, God turned it around for good. Hallelujah. (laughs) And you want to know the best part? I mean, there's so many good ones. You just go on and read the rest of Esther's story. Mordecai actually takes Haman's place as prime minister of the entire nation. I mean, you talk about God turning a situation around. But it didn't happen when they could see it with their natural eyes. It started to happen when they could never see it. They could never visualize it. It started to happen even while they're praying and fasting and they're weeping and they're mourning and they're crying out, God, have mercy. God, have mercy. The moment they cried out, deliverance was on the way. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I'm here to tell you the moment you cry out. The moment you cry out. The moment you set yourself to pray and to fast. The moment you declare this year will be different than any other year. I'm going to draw closer to God. I'm going to leave the past behind. I'm going to leave that old life behind. I'm going to serve God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is my year. This is my makeup year. This is the year when God favors me. This is the year when God blesses me. The moment you make that decision, God behind the scenes began to turn hearts and minds. He begins to open doors. He begins to move and bless. And you watch. Listen, listen, listen with your head bowed and close your eyes. Here's how, here's how it worked. Favor went to purpose. Purpose went to deliverance. That's how it always works. God wants to favor you so you can walk in divine purpose. And he put divine purpose in you so you can walk in deliverance. And not just for you, for everyone that you believe in God for.
for everyone that you come across, for everyone that he's called you to minister to. Amen? That's why he favors us. But how did it start? It started by one woman who did not heed the call of the king and another one who did. That's how the whole story got started. When the king called, she listened to his voice. And that's how the story of Esther came about. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus.